What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a Thursday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and joining me on Tailgate Thursday, Ooh. the debut Matt Sheehan of theonlycolors.com. Matt, good evening. How are you? I'm awesome, Chase. How are you doing? I am good. Um, are you tired of watching Michigan State football yet? Uh, no, growing up during the John L. Smith era and the Bobby Williams era, uh, there is nothing that could break me down. Absolutely okay. nothing. Not even games where you only score 10 points and get boat raced by halftime. I think you're going to say, no matter how many years of eligibility Brian Lewerke seems <laughs> to have, I'm going to stick with this team forever. What happened yeah. to Rocky Lombardi? What happened to that guy? Uh, he, he's hanging out on the sidelines. Uh, he's just ready to get in there and you know run that fourth one package that they tried once during opening night that looked like a pretty cool package because he's a pretty big burly guy that can get you a yard. Um, so yeah, that's probably the capacity he's going to be using this year, just those fourth and short packages because uh, MSU just had two other running backs transfer that are used for those situations predominantly. And now that's going to go to Rocky Lombardi. So. Well, at least he's getting some action because yeah. not only does he have the best college football name of all time, um, we need the the flowing locks, the hairs and locks back yeah. in there. Got to get that swagger back on the field. Definitely, you do, you do. Um, how old is Brian Lewerke? I feel like he's been there. Thirty-two. He's, Thirty-two. So yeah, he's Taysom Hill's age. He is. Yeah, yeah. They grew up playing football together over at the <laughs> west side of the country. Yep. Um. Well, anyway, uh, this is something that I want to do. Every Thursday, I've been trying to think of a way to institute some college stuff into um, the weekly podcast, and this was something I was thinking about with, like, you know, we could brand this as Tailgate Thursday, and um, something that I can look at getting ready for the fall, I mean, getting ready for football Saturday, and this is the first big week of college football, I think, this season. It only took seven weeks, Yeah, we're finally (laughs) at a weekend where there's good stuff on from noon to midnight and that is a very very nice thing the weather is changing and football is actually must see this weekend it's awesome isn't it i mean it was don't get me wrong it was fun just like relying on the wacky mat game to, to get our fix in and you know some pac-12 games but uh yeah it's awesome to have actual cool ranked opponents play each other i'm about it well uh before we get into a couple other things and what we learned from last week in week six which already feels like forever ago um, yeah. Don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can check out chasenosspodcast.com. You can read Matt's work on theonlycolors.com. But um, yeah, go do that and um, leave us a five-star rating and review. That would be great. Um, first thing I want to get into before we get in, even to what games um, happened last week that I want to touch on and what we gleamed from them, uh, Tua Tungvalola is... I guess considered the Heisman favorite right now. And I've been going back and forth on this where like Alabama's defense the first time in forever, the run defense is just getting manhandled. They're off. They're also starting for freshmen in their front seven. Not good. 
um, some unfortunate injuries there. They're a little bit more um, vulnerable when it comes to their defense than in recent years. It's just weird. Alabama just being this hyperactive offense that just has all these different playmakers. Even Najee Harris is just going under the radar. It's just a dominant force. You think of DeAndre Swift and other guys in the SEC, and you don't really think about him at this point. But he's been great for them this year. Um, I, I just wonder if Tua should be considered the the Heisman favorite in your opinion, because I think he's been great. Obviously he's top three, top five in that category. I just, I don't know if he's like my clear, clear front runner right now. Yeah. I'm kind of honestly not, not to be completely boring, but I'm kind of right where you are. Like I, I would give it to Tua, but yeah, I don't know if he's clear in a way, uh, you know, the, the number one guy, but what's interesting. And I don't know if this is like revisionist history, but I feel like the last few years, by like week six or seven, there's always like two guys, maybe three that you can narrow the Heisman race in on. But now there's, I mean, it seems to be at least five guys that are still in the mix, ideally. If, that is if you count Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, who is essentially going for what is now a quarterback's award in the Heisman. Well, I think if you but even like Jonathan Taylor, you have to include Chubba Hubbard, who is beating him yeah, in a lot totally. of different categories. Totally. Yeah. Definitely. And I mean, Joe Burrow, too. Very fascinating. I mean, I think, yes. you know, you can pop him off maybe November 9th. He, I, if he beats Bama, he is definitely a thick of it. But I think that's his kind of test. Um, if he can get past them, then, yeah, he's definitely in a serious conversation. But if he can't, then I think, sadly, that one game will, will do it for him. But I don't know. I, I, I've been wrong before on, <laughs> on stuff like this. But it's also hard to look at Justin Fields' play and not think like, oh, yeah, no, he's not going to be a Heisman guy. Like, he could turn it on late, especially with games against Penn State and at Michigan to close his season out, too. I mean, those are two massive games that could be fresh in the Heisman voters' mind. So, Yeah, when I think quarterbacks right now who have just been the most impressive, I think it's, I mean, obviously Ohio State hasn't played much of anybody at this point, but, like, there is something to just beating the hell out of the teams you're supposed to beat and we take it for granted we're like these five stars we just assume they're going to be awesome in their new environment and it's going to click and it's all going to work because a lot of i mean sometimes it just doesn't work sometimes like right like it just we assume just because it happened that like oh this is what he was supposed to do and it's like well i mean maybe it just this he's legit and sometimes these guys just have the five star name in front of them and it never pans out i mean there's just countless examples of that even four star guys but like he deserves credit for immediately being a force of nature um and just not letting up i think it's him or burrow when i first think of like heisman guys and obviously cole mcdonald as people Mm -hmm. the program knows that i'm just a hawaii (laughs) lifer so that's what i'm talking about Yes, I, and I'm very excited for that uh, late game on Saturday that we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, yeah, I just I don't think it's a clear to us race, and I just don't think it's going to be him. I, I think Alabama's super vulnerable. I think it's probably better in his favor than in a year ago, just because of how much they're relying on that offense over their defense. But like, does anyone think he's more valuable than Jerry Judy on that team right now? Like, Jerry Judy is just playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers in the secondary. Like, it's just not fair what he's doing. And you're like, well, is that to his fault that he has all these different playmakers to throw to? And I'm like, no, but I, I don't know. I just, I don't think this is to his, it, I don't, I don't think it should be to this year. I, yeah, I, I think he will be when it all shakes out. Like right now, there is five guys that could ideally win it. But I think when it comes down to the end, it will be the, the two versus Jalen debate. I mean, unless Johnson Taylor him, continues yeah. going out, I mean, just going out in, in a burst of flames every Saturday. But yeah, I think it ultimately will be Tua versus Jalen. But that's the thing. It's like yeah, Tua has a ton of tools to work with, 
Then again, so does Jalen. It's obvious that he plays in a system where the quarterback is definitely way, way, way more profiled than anyone else, as you can see Baker. And, um, oh, my goodness, I'm blanking on his name. Who just won it last year? Oh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, thank you. Oh, I would have been here for a half hour trying to think of his name. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, will, will the Heisman Committee really vote for three Sooners in a row? I mean, I, I don't really see that happening either, but... I mean, I, I don't, don't think that they care. I just think they look at it as like, oh, is he the best quarterback in the country? And the last two years, the best quarterbacks in the country have been at Oklahoma. And part of that is Lincoln Riley's brilliance, but they've been mm-hmm. both pretty good in the NFL thus far. And I think, yeah. I don't think any Heisman voters are just looking at it of like, we but, can't keep giving it to an Oklahoma quarterback. It's like if Lincoln Riley keeps putting out these prolific offenses, then yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to just say no. I mean, Jalen's a little bit different than Baker and Kyler, but um, you can't rule him out um, at this point, I don't think. Um, what do you make of Greg Schiano returning to Rutgers? I am absolutely here for it. I, I love these rumblings. Um, I can't believe Chris Ash got as long as he did. Um, that was a miracle. A, that that was great. <laughs> right. And it's almost like just like the administration forgot about the football team. Like, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That's right. The football team is losing 49 to three every week. Oh, yeah. Maybe we should do something I, about that. It's um, not great. I'll remember his tenure there by his beatdowns from Michigan. I that I remember where I was when I kept looking at the score in that rainy, cold slog fest. I think this was actually in Rutgers and it was like 70 something to nothing and just seeing yeah. them score over and over. And the way Michigan was playing at that point was just the hard nosed pro style Pep Hamilton special. And it was just is brutal and mean and cold and agonizing to watch. And I'm not even a Rutgers fan. And I was just like, how do you even come back from this? <laughs> Yeah, that was one of the games where it's like the like blowouts are boring, obviously, but it gets to a point where like, hold on here, like could this team really eclipse seventy? So like, shout out to them for making some of those blowouts even entertaining to see if teams could throw up sixty, seventy points on them. Um, I'll miss that, but yeah, I, I think Rutgers does miss Shiano. I, I think that he's ready to be a head coach again, and I uh, was being a Big Ten fan. Uh, I just cannot stand Rutgers just on the sole condition that they are horrible so i'd like to see them like be competitive every once in a while even though it is like a free win on msu schedule every year and mm-hmm. well everyone's schedule um it would be nice to have some semblance of like competitiveness in the bottom of the big 10 east so yeah i'm here for it yeah um so what we gathered from week five um little a, a few notes here that I, I there's just not every game you have to hit but some things that i've been thinking about this week um days after um, week five uh, wrapped up i i came away my biggest thing is that like oh florida i think could beat georgia if they beat georgia like the conditions have to be right where kyle trask has to be able to airmail these balls over and over again and have to mm-hmm. he has to have time in the pocket florida has to get a bunch of pressure their secondary has to be just on lockdown mode i i think there's a path i think it's tough to get the for it to actually happen but i've felt more i I don't know i just you saw what tennessee did in the first half against georgia they won the first half folks great work that's that's big time yeah um and i'm like well florida could do that for a full game it i'm worried about their depth their depth is a real issue down the stretch i kyle trask i don't get it but he has those playmakers that when he gets them in space they're fine and that's what they did to auburn the four turnovers in the first quarter were terrible, but like I could actually see a scenario where um, Florida could actually compete against Georgia. It's funny that like it, it reminds me so much about the Jim McElwain years now where like their defense is great. 
Um, their quarterback sucks, and they're, they're just going to go 10-2 and two with an offensive-minded coach, but the, the linchpin of the team being uh, the defense once again. Yeah, totally. And I, I was really impressed, too, with uh, Florida's offensive line, too, because Auburn's front seven is, is nasty. I, I mean, mean, Derek Brown got his. He had like six pressures on 37 pass attempts. Yeah. Saturday. Relatively speaking, though, like, I, I, I mean, Auburn's front seven is uh, just scares me watching at home from a few hundred miles away. And the fact that Florida could at least get something going on offense to the point where they put up 24 points was nice. And I'll, I'll be at a surprise, too. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I still think Georgia will, you know, win the game. I, I still think it'll be probably like a 10 point win for Georgia. But yeah, just like you're saying, if the circumstances are different for the game, albeit no matter how that happens. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, which is thank goodness, because after that week zero game against Miami, like you watch both teams, it's like, whew, Georgia is going to uh, have a cakewalk to the SEC championship game. But now it's like, hey, there might be one team in that division that could uh, give him a scare. So yeah, it's nice. It, that's what I want. I want it to be ugly and potentially really weird and um, just, just fun. Um, Wisconsin, Ohio state. I think we've confirmed after this weekend and just the first half of this season that those two, when they match up very soon, mm-hmm. it's going to be a bloodbath. Like Wisconsin's number one defense, one of the best run defenses in football. They, Jim Leonard has done a huge 180 and just the amount of pressure this unit gets. Their front seven is back. They get pressure on the quarterback. They're super smart. They ground and pound Jack Cohn when he's not in the shotgun. He is extremely good at his job. I I wonder what gives there. I just, I'm very excited to see what Wisconsin looks like where they're playing keep away from Ohio State and Ohio State's new defensive mind and Greg Madison just really doing a number on that unit and what Chase Young brings and like what happens if Jack Cohn gets pressure all the time from guys like Chase Young. I, I'm just so fascinated by how those two will match up. I just know that it's going to be a bloodbath. Oh uh, yeah, bloodbath and probably part one uh, of a sequel where yeah. they'll eventually meet an Indy too. I mean, both both those teams are so far and beyond the, the best team in their respective divisions, where it's crazy. Um, and yeah, so yeah, we watching the game. Um, obviously, looking forward to a great one, but also thinking like, okay, well, this is just like a preview for what's going to happen in early December when these teams finally do meet up in Indy. Um, just knowing from what I know about Ohio State, watching them completely. Uh, take control of the game in the second quarter last week against our Spartans. Uh, they've got quite the front seven. Like, yeah, obviously their offensive playmakers make some noise. They got Okuda at, at the corner, but man, their front seven shuts down the run so good where that battle between Jonathan Taylor and that front seven is just, it, that, I mean, that's going to be awesome. I, I just hope that Wisconsin gets the ball out so we can watch that a lot selfishly. LSU. I've come away thinking, they are the best team in the SEC until proven otherwise. Is that fair? That's yeah, that's beyond fair. I think I'm crazy thinking it, but yeah, I kind of do think it's fair. Um, I, I do. I th- yeah. Could they beat Alabama? I don't see I anything this season that suggested. Yeah, I don't see anything that suggests they, they couldn't beat them. Well, yeah, just like you're saying, let alone be favored. Like their offense isn't just like good. It's it's been elite so far this year. Twenty plus touchdowns for Burrow. It's something that we've just never seen before. Like this kind of one eighty. I I was just so out on him last year, and like they beat Auburn. They beat they demolished Georgia with a bad mm. offense last year, and just to see the their playmakers with Jefferson Chase Burrow, and like even their running game's fine. Like they're just they're Alabama, but they have a defense. Like they're just right. it's 
I I don't know. I think LSU is the cream of the crop in the SEC right now. And I think Alabama gets a lot of this love, but I think we'll see after this weekend, especially um, with Florida coming to town, they'll get a lot more respect and of like, oh, they, they're they they're coming and they're legit. But it's also like the first time Alabama's made it through like six weeks without playing a top 25 team. Yeah. Um, in a, since like 2004, I want to say. So I it's not really their fault um, to an extent. And Saban's talked about this, but LSU is just... They just seem more complete to me, and Joe Burrow is just a, a totally different quarterback this year, and it's um, it's wild. Um, Ten and two Minnesota is happening. That's my, next on my notes. It's going to happen. You look at their yeah. schedule. It, it, it's laughable. Yeah, there are high schools here in Michigan that have a tougher starting five games than Minnesota. Well, even they're starting seven too, because what they got Rutgers coming up, and then yes. no, I'm sorry, Nebraska, then Rutgers, I believe. Mm-hmm. God, that's that's awesome. That must be awesome to be a Gophers fan. I mean. PJ Fleck deserves a lot of credit for getting them to where they're at. And like Bateman's awesome. Like I'm not a big Tanner Morgan guy, but he's okay. It's mm-hmm. just, I, I don't know. I think this Wisconsin Minnesota game at the end of the season, because like a lot of Wisconsin people, I was talking to Matt Bell's of uh, Bucky's fifth quarter this week. And um, he told me about how Wisconsin has not forgotten, like how Minnesota reacted um when they beat wisconsin last year and just like they care more about that than like the national title and i just i can't wait for minnesota wisconsin because i think minnesota is gonna be coming in there thinking they're they're a little bit better than they actually are like similar to like wake forest and what they're doing this year and then wisconsin's just gonna absolutely demolish them like i think it's gonna be a, a really really rough in for minnesota season but i just i love that we are well on our way to 10 and 2 minnesota it's, yeah, it's going to be awesome. That Wisconsin game, I could see them keeping it within a touchdown um, until the second quarter starts. But after that, I think that, uh, yeah, Wisconsin will um, blow the doors off them. And Minnesota will be praying for those first three games where they get to play South Dakota State, Fresno State, and Georgia Southern. Uh, they'll be hearkening for those days. But yeah. Josh Heupel, um, I appreciate him lowering his price tag for Auburn this past week and that I was very it. nice of him yeah. i i'm about it because i've resolved myself to the idea that bob stoops is not coming and that he is going to stay in the xfl for a little bit but at least he's back in coaching so that makes me think that there is a possibility they could they could bring him in the boosters could do what they could to um <laughs> to get him but um josh heupel is my number two choice if not lane kiffin of course but um well, yeah right I, I do wonder what's going on with UCF a little bit. Um, bad loss on the road in Cincinnati. Weird game. Cincinnati's good. They're not great. But um, I, I do wonder what how long Josh Heupel stays at UCF and like if the luster that he has, because he kept that program going um, yeah. when it easily could have fallen off the rails. Like he kept the win streak going and everything else for, uh, for a very long time. So uh, shout out to him. But I um, appreciate him lowering his... Uh, potential price tag when he gets lured away from Orlando maybe this this offseason um Davis Mills is coming did you watch any of Stanford Washington last weekend uh I'm gonna shoot you straight uh, that's a no that's a no <sighs> from okay me, I apologize Davis Mills was a five-star and mm-hmm. came from a local high school um that I grew up around he has not been seen yet we've gotten the KJ Costello experience for a while who's not bad no. but Stanford was kind of having a down year and it looked like they may not even make bowl eligibility. And then they beat Washington, who is not as good as they were in years past. But, like, Mills outplayed Jacob Eason, and Mills looked good. Like, he is just, like, the five-star no one's talking about yet. But 
he looked really, really good against a good Washington defense. And I just, I wonder what their ceiling is now, but I do think, um, especially going into next year that more and more people are going to be um, talking about Davis Mills and what he actually could be as the next great pro style quarterback out of Stanford. Yeah, it's it's just a bummer seeing Washington um, tumble this early. I mean, I, I thought the Pac-12 would at least have two teams in the mix by mid-October, but now it's what Oregon or bust for the most part. Yeah, I mean, and even yeah. then, ugh. well, Cal was there until Chase Gerber's got hurt. Yeah, right. And yeah. then they fell off a cliff and got brutalized by Oregon. But they were good. Cal was legitimately good on both sides of the ball before mm-hmm. Gerber's got hurt, and that was a good win. They beat Washington back to back years. Um, Oregon State's rising. Who could forget their great win yeah. against UCLA? Go Beavers, uh, baby. Yeah, the Luton, uh, loving Luton, or whatever they can call him. I don't know what you want to call him, but um, good for them. And Joseph Smith, the most unrecognizable head coach in college football. Um, Jonathan Smith, excuse me. See, not even getting his name right. Um, <laughs> last thing, and then we'll get into this week's games. Um, I think what's interesting in the Pac-12 is that Arizona has quietly got one loss. Khalil Tate's healthy. That offense is rolling again. And Arizona State is getting all the publicity. And their offense is like, I think, 72nd in the country. And they have Eno Benjamin and really exciting young freshmen at quarterback. I just, I wonder if Arizona deserves more of the the love that Kevin Sumlin might be turning the corner here. And Herm Edwards is getting more of the pub just because they're grinded out. Their, their defense is better. They're playing that San Diego State style. But I, I don't, I don't know. I just think. They deserve a little bit more credit for turning around a bad situation that could have easily gone Chip Kelly UCLA like. No, totally. And I think this might be a little tinfoil hat, but maybe it's because like those four wins, they didn't really play in the national spotlight or anything. Whereas when they played at Hawaii, they were one of two FBS games going on that day, a national spotlight there. And obviously they laid an egg and lost to Hawaii. So I think that's what's only in people's memory. It's not, you know, the wins against Texas tech or UCLA or Colorado. It's well, what's the last time we, the nation was all on Arizona. Oh, that's right. Losing to McDonald and Hawaii. So that's not a bad loss. No, it's not a bad loss. Hawaii. Oh, they I, might I be ranked Hawaii. after this yeah. weekend. Oh, well, they should be. Hawaii <laughs> plus 12 is stealing money, by the way. I, I, I love that line this week. Um, well, we'll get into it. So this week's games, um, Texas, Oklahoma at noon. A lot of people are talking themselves into Texas here. I am like, Texas has been worse and beat Oklahoma. We've seen Mm -hmm. it already. I am. I don't know. I just, I, I believe in Todd Orlando's defense this year. It's improved. I like their secondary. I just, they're getting healthy. I, I can't. I can't go Texas here. Sam Ellinger having one of the best starts of any Texas quarterback of all time, but mm-hmm. I just, I don't think Oklahoma falls here. Yeah. Every time I think of something good for Texas, I immediately go back to the same guy and it's hurts. Like I, 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 he's going to be the best player in the field. And I truly think he is going to be enough to, you know, change that game single-handedly in, in Oklahoma's favor. Now, will they cover plus 11 or plus 12 or whatever that spreads at? I don't know about that much, but I, I do like Oklahoma in this game. Definitely. Bama at Texas A&M. Um, I'm not going to watch a lot of this game because I think it will yeah. be a bigger blowout than people are making it out to be. Like, if this is a home game for Bama, no one's talking about this game at all. No, but because God, it's no. in Kyle Field, they're just like, oh, you never know. Crazy things have happened. I'm like, no, I, I think Alabama's just going <laughs> to drop 55 on them, and no one's going to be caring about this. 
Yeah, I, yeah, that'll be the game forgotten about where we're catching up on our scores at midnight, and it'll be like, oh, two ahead, 400 yards, five touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Oh, okay, huh. Who'd they Poor play? Oh, Mond. Because yeah. he's having to do everything. And he's legitimately good, and he just... He's got no help this year. Texas A&M still a year or two away. I think we were all kind of like, oh, maybe they break through this year. No, we're still still got a ways to go. But they're recruiting at a level where I think they'll eventually, yeah, eventually get. They there. really could have used Alabama's schedule this year. Unfortunately, yes. that is not how it shook out, though. So, yeah, maybe don't schedule Clemson early on. Um, yeah. Speaking of Clemson, uh, Dabo Sweeney believes Florida State should be five and zero right now, um, and yep. they are coming to Clemson where. Uh, the last time this happened was last year, and Florida State fans were caught reading. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Fans. Wow, blast from so, the past. <laughs> I they're starting Blackman again, which I can't understand why they can't quit this situation. Um, Hornibrook was really good the last couple of weeks. He's solid. I would go, I would just ride Hornibrook till the end. I don't know why they keep this, this fascination with um, James Blackman. It makes no sense to me. Blackmail is the only thing I can think of. Um, that's the only reason I can think for keeping or trotting him out again. But uh, yeah, good luck, uh, good luck to the Seminoles. Because um, boy, I really think they're going to need it. I think Clemson has been hearing about, oh yeah, their offense isn't as good as it was last year. I'll throw out the bye week, and I can see, yeah, Clemson just hanging up a fifty spot casually uh, on, on the Knolls. Yeah, um, I, I think Florida State covers. I think Jim Levitt being right. around now, that defense is making strides. I. I just I think they'll be better than people think, and I'm just not sold on Clemson this year. They're just a weird good team, but I don't know. I think Florida State at the very least keeps us close for three quarters. Um, your team, the Spartans at Wisconsin, it's gonna yeah. be ugly. Oh yeah, very close. Hope so. <laughs> I if Northwestern can keep this close, Michigan State can keep this close. That is the game I'm thinking of too. Like that is why I'm getting out of bed every morning and, and like believing more and more that like yeah. Spartans can pull this one off. Like they just got to muck this game up, make it low scoring, make it dirty enough to where like you are within, you know, range of Wisconsin come late in the fourth quarter, and then hopefully pull a rabbit out of your head. And you know, just, just no explosive plays. If they can limit Jonathan Taylor to five yards a carry and none of the big ones, like mm-hmm. if they just take away the big plays, then they're they they have a shot because like if you force cone to beat you from the shotgun like northwestern was making them do i don't think he can do it and no, totally. yeah that's how you win like if jonathan taylor breaks a couple 75 yard runs you're like oh well this this is over and then they just gradually just bury you into the ground so yeah. i i just think if i'm watching if i'm flipping over and i see Jonathan Taylor just streaking down the sideline for a 45 yard touchdown run. I'm like, Oh, that's the exact opposite of what they needed. This, this is over. Yeah. I think it comes down to three things too, for this front seven. The first one is uh, Wisconsin's offensive line. Unfortunately, all being bulldozers completely like just grown men of offensive linemen. That's one bummer. The, the second is that going on the road to Columbus and then chasing it with a road game in Madison. I'm good. Uh, you know, I didn't really play football a lot. I rode the bench in high school. I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess that's going to suck for the body. Just two back-to-back bruiser teams on the road. So hopefully, this kind of leads into the third point. They're not on the field too much during the game. And I think this is where MSU can get a hunt up on. I don't think the offense is good enough to keep the defense off the field. Um for the amount of time that they need. I, I think the defense could kind of be getting gassed here in the fourth quarter after getting bullied around by Wisconsin's offensive line all game. So that is what, that's what's going to keep me up at night is 
are those three things right there. So, well, I still have whiskey. I'm sorry, but oh, I understand. I think it's it's, it's uh, really tough to not take them after what they've done so far this year. But I will say, it will not surprise me if Michigan State wins this game. That's and that's all you can really hope for at this point. Um, it's not delusional enough to believe that. Still, yeah, yeah. Washington be- State at Arizona State. I I'm going to go ahead and uh, make this my lock of the week. Oh wow! Okay, hold on. Let me write this down. Cougars are winning this game. Wow, love it. They like Mike Leach is not getting in a rock fight with Herman Edwards, even on the road. I just I am not sold on the way Arizona State plays in the Pac-12. Like it's just a weirdly, it works against some teams, but like when they're not using Eno Benjamin to the extent that they could, mm-hmm. I just I don't think Washington State has some bad losses, but they're going to score enough where like, oh, if this game gets into the 30s, Arizona State cannot hang. And this just reeks of a Mike Leach um, beatdown. Yeah, and he's due for one too. And I, I think he really needs it. This is going to you know, be the turning point of the season, I think. Already two losses. Um, I, I fear what another loss will do in the locker room and in press conferences too, because I could just see him uncorking one um, on his team if they don't walk out of here with a win. Yeah. Uh, Virginia at Miami tomorrow, along with Colorado at Oregon. Two Should really I watch good that game? night games. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Will, will Virginia Miami be entertaining? Is that, is that worth will watching? Will it be entertaining? No. All will right. it be... Competitive? <laughs> yes. All right. Like Nikosi Perry versus Bryce Perkins, I, I think will be interesting because Perry did play pretty well um, coming in for Jarrett Williams last week against Virginia Tech and almost stealing that game back. Miami's got a really limited schedule and they're not taking advantage of it. And I don't really know what Miami is at this point, but I know Virginia is a really good 10 and two team. Like the side, they're just a very good ACC team, but this is that Miami Friday night game. I think I'm taking Miami here. I don't think they go back to back losses. I still think they have too much talent. I think, there is just there. There's going to be a turning point here where they get back on the right track, and I think this is this is where it happens on a weird Friday night game. Remember how Pitt beat Virginia last year on a weird oh yeah uh, weekday game? That's what it kind of reminds me of. We're like, oh, we're just going to see Miami just kind of get back on track and beat Virginia. That's why I hate picking weekday games. I, I feel like there's always some weird voodoo going on with them, whether they be college or, or NFL weekday games, but. Yeah, I, I guess if I was forced to absolutely pick one, yeah, I would have to go with a U, I think. I, I don't think Virginia's defense is as good as it was advertised coming into the season. Um, but, of course, could they turn that around with, the, yeah, against a, going up against a favorable offense in Miami then? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, where, oh, I just lost my thing. Oh, Washington at Arizona. I am going to, like, a three-loss Washington team this early in the season. It's season, weird. Maybe, I don't like but it. I, I don't either. I just, I like Chris Peterson enough where I'm like, right. They still have a lot of tough games still left in the schedule where I'm like, do they fall to seven and five? And I just, I think I have to start betting on the, the stability, betting on the, who I know. And I'm betting on Washington to not drop back to back games, um, against Stanford and, uh, Arizona. I just, I can't see Chris Peterson doing this. No, same here. But will they cover minus six? Now that I don't think so. So I, if I had to put money on this, I would go Wildcats for this one, just because I think Cleo Tate can you know generate enough points to keep up with Washington, no matter how low or high um, the score is, for that matter. Hmm. That's fair. Famous um, last words, but yeah. <laughs> Florida at LSU. 
I, you already know where I'm at with this. Yeah. LSU wins, and I think they win big because I don't think Kyle Trask can. Kyle Trask is awful. Like, I like what we saw from Emory Jones in spot uh, mm-hmm. duty last week, but Trask, man, he's a warrior. Good yeah. for him. Um, but Great story. Yeah. Great story. I just. But you know what else is great? Baton Rouge at night. That's a great atmosphere to, to play in front of, unless you're an opposing quarterback. So I think they blow him out. And it's like a pick yeah. statement game for LSU. And that doesn't mean I think Florida is overrated. I just think LSU's this, the, I I would be a little bit more like, oh, I could see a scenario if Florida wins this game if it's at Gainesville or a neutral site game. Totally. Yeah. LSU, I just, this is bad for them. Yeah. And this, once again, is my revisionist history, but I just uh, can't remember LSU ever losing a night game in Baton Rouge just for, forget all the Alabama games if you could I was going to say Alabama for hot <laughs> just 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 forget all those for a hot second but other than that yeah uh no I, I think uh LSU is too good I think the atmosphere is too good so yeah I think it's gonna be LSU by at least 20 points um Nebraska at Minnesota I good think Nebraska play. actually wins here I don't think Minnesota is good I think Minnesota I think is good fine. I don't they're these, not good. Both these teams are frauds. I uh, like. This I is just like the, Adrian Martinez too much. Maybe that's all it is. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not completely sold on him either. I, I think this mm. is the fraud bull go, going on right the now. Fraud bull. So oh, you be, can. I, I can send some uh, Big Ten um, fandom coming out of you. Oh, here. totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 yeah. Catch the fever. The fraud um, bull. Yeah, the fraud bull. Yeah, it's. It, I don't know. I I really can't see either of these teams putting up with the Nebraska's uh, no, I'm sorry. The, the, the Wisconsin's of the big 10 West. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Minnesota here just because their I mean, receiver trio is just sick this year so far. And I think that's going to be enough to hang up the points needed to top the big red. Okay. Um, last three Penn state at Iowa, Iowa, one of their worst offensive performances in a decade. Um, Kirk Ferentz son, May not be the guy. Craig Davis wasn't the guy. But um, a lot of questions with that Iowa offense. Nate Stanley got sacked a billion times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really weird Iowa team. Um, their defense is still legit, but they're at home. They don't like, they're actually like four and four at home against top 25 teams. Oh, yeah. In, like the last eight, I forgot how many years it was, but this is no guarantee for Penn State. And we were questioning what Penn State was two weeks ago. And now mm-hmm. we're back on, oh, no, they're great. They're elite. They did what right. they needed to do. <laughs> totally. And I'm like, uh, are we sure we like Tommy Stevens? Um, I mean, uh, Sean Clifford. And I'm just like, uh, I don't know. I, I'm i going to take Iowa here. And I don't feel great about it. Oh, I, I would. I mean, weird stuff happens at Kinnick at night against top 10 teams. Like, this. that's a total, totally reasonable bet. I think I'm still going to go with Penn State here just because I think Penn State's defense is as good as Michigan's. And they held Iowa to not even looking like they got off the bus that game. So I, I'm going to go with the Nittany Lions, but would I be shocked if Iowa can somehow pull something out and do this? No, I, I don't think I'd be totally shocked. No, not based on the last few years with what happens at Kinnick at night. Yeah. Um, we'll have to take see. the under in this game, no matter what happens. That, that's yes, my for sure. Advice. I don't, I don't, that number could be anywhere between 21 to 71. Take the under that game. That's, that's good. One. USC at Notre Dame. I there's no reason Notre Dame doesn't win this game. Yeah. Except except if Ian Buck really struggles against that secondary that's getting healthy. Got their safety back. Yeah. If he he's not great 
at handling pressure. Like, that's the thing. Is like, can USC get the kind of pressure on him to scare him? Can USC's receivers do what they did against Utah, where they got free, they gave them opportunities in space, they got behind guys, they, I forgot who had written that, like, they, I think it was Andy Staples, where it's like, can they moss Notre Dame's DBs? Because that's all they're good at. And they can do that, they're in this game. Keaton Slovis, depending on what he looks like, coming back from injury, I, I think there's a path, there's like a 25% chance that what USC needs to happen can happen in this game, but I'm betting on the infrastructure, especially at home, for Notre Dame to to ride out this one. Yeah, not plain and simple. I totally agree with that. Um, Last one, and then we are, I think we're good for this week. Um, Hawaii. Yes. At Boise State. Love it. Game of the week. Heck Yeah. I'm picking Hawaii, and I know that they're not winning this game. Everything about this game says Boise. Hank Mania, as a true freshman, is great. Boise's good. Boise, (sighs) Cole McDonald with Bird and Friends and JoJo and those guys, the run and shoot. Nick Rolovich really needs this win. Yeah. I hope he wins. I just hope this is entertaining. I think more than anything else, I want this to be 45 to 38. Oh, I think this is my lock of the week for entertainment factor, for okay. sure. Yeah, I, I think it'll be an awesome game, especially, you know, capping off the game, too, with a 8-15. Or, no, I'm sorry, excuse me, 10-15 kickoff. It'll be a nice nightcap uh, for everyone at home. But, yeah, I, I mean, I'm right with you, too. I think Hawaii can do enough to keep it within, you know, a touchdown to the very bitter end of the game. So, yeah, I'm loving Rainbow Warriors plus 12. That, that's, a, that's a great line. Love that. Surely that can't backfire. There you go. There you go. All right, Matt. Well, that will do it. Um, for this week, um, is there anything you would like to plug before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, not just the only colors.com. If you want to read about a team that has a marginal offense and a pretty good defense, uh, every once in a while. So yeah, go green. Hopefully we can keep it close against Wisconsin. That's how you would define Spartan football every year. Since oh God. Martin yeah. has been there. I think that's just, that's their ethos. Yeah. Offense just good enough, but defense more than good enough. It could be worse. You could be yeah. Northwestern. We could. Yeah. We could. You could be Northwestern. That's, yeah. that's a good name. But either way, thank you uh, so much. Go check out ChaseSummersPodcast.com. Go uh, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, um, wherever you listen to podcasts. I appreciate it. And we'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.